Hello, and welcome to episode three of season 10. In this episode, I have two American designers to introduce you to. Both are doing fantastic work in their own businesses and have loads of helpful knowledge to share with you. I know you're going to love it. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building, or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. This is super exciting because with both of my guests today, I had such a great time learning from them as I interviewed them. And so I know you're going to benefit hugely from their expertise as well. Now, my first guest on this episode is Marina V. Umali, who is an interior designer and a certified feng shui practitioner based in New York State. And my second guest is Jake Krakowski of JWK Design, and he's based in South Carolina and specializes in new homes, renovations, and landscape design. So let me first introduce you to Marina. Now, Marina is, as I said, a New York State certified interior designer and certified feng shui practitioner, and she also owns Marina V Design Studio. Marina has studied interior design, architecture, and psychology, and she's worked as an interior designer for a number of prominent firms in New York City. She cares deeply about helping people create lasting improvements in their lives, and she does that by creating lasting improvements in their environments. Marina actually seeks to integrate interior design and feng shui closely in her work, and her favourite thing about feng shui is that it combines her experience and expertise in design and architecture with her innate desire to promote health and well-being. Seeing the smiles on her clients' faces, hearing the emotion in their testimonials, and knowing that she has helped make a difference in their lives is truly what makes all the difference in hers. Her goal is to help you achieve a living space that's striking, inviting, and functions practically for your lifestyle. Marina actually takes a common sense approach to feng shui, sorting through the myriad of misconceptions, alleviating your concerns, and utilizing an age-old philosophical system to promote harmony and good energy in your home through thoughtful, compelling design. Marina works locally with clients and she also provides her services online regardless of your location. Marina specializes in residential work and she helps homeowners globally. She seeks to create custom solutions for her clients using beautiful and timeless design principles in combination with the power of intention. Marina wants you to have a home that feels as good as it looks. Now, I have been, I can't tell you how long I've been wanting to talk about feng shui on the podcast, okay? And for me, it's been finding somebody who would able be able to bring it to you in a really practical and actionable way. And so I am so excited to be bringing Marina to you and really excited to be having this chat with her. So let's dive into the interview. Marina, it is so fantastic to have you here. I've watched you from afar for some time now and we've been connecting online and I always love meeting the people that I know online uh, over Skype and being able to chat to you about your work. Um, can you tell us a bit about Marina V Design Studio? You know, when did you start your business and uh, what type of work that you do and, and the types of clients that you work with? Sure. And thanks so much for having me. Yes, I also enjoyed following you from afar and just enjoying seeing what you're doing. I think it's great. Um, I've had um, Marina V Design Studio for almost 10 years now. I started in 2009 after working for a large commercial firm in the city. 
And then I just went out on my own. So I've been doing, it's more like a boutique design firm, uh, working on residential projects and smaller commercial projects, nothing like the large scales, but um, in the New York and New Jersey area. And you also have some uh, work that you do online with people as well. You've been working in uh, in mm. line uh, on an online way as well too, which is fantastic, isn't mm. it? Because it means that people can ac- access your expertise from anywhere. Yeah, and I love connecting with people like that. Uh, right, from my feng shui services, I've done virtual consultations and it's almost like being in person. Of course, in person, you know, you can't beat that. So if somebody does have somebody close by that will do a feng shui consultation, that's always best. Uh, so they could feel the space, see the space. But if they prefer to work with me, I love working with people from all over. And it's almost like the same as in person. They share all their uh, floor plans, their photos of their rooms. Um, And then we just do a walkthrough, basically, as if I'm there. They take their iPad or their iPhone, and they can walk me through the space. And I kind of tell them, turn right, turn left, or open that closet. What did I see there, you know? So kind of like walk back. And um, at the end of the, you know, uh, consultation, I just send them my uh, notes, my recommendations. And, uh, yeah, it's been working quite well. Fantastic. Do you find, because I do that with clients as well, do you find that people are apologizing for the mess in the corner and those types of things? I always have people saying to me, I'm sorry that it looked, and I'm like, don't worry, everybody's house looks like that. Everybody always feels like they they need to excuse themselves. Well, I think just, yeah, no, definitely I get that a lot, especially uh, with feng shui, Uh, even if I'm coming into their home or if they're sending me pictures, yes, they do apologize. And I think it's fine. I mean, I have a mess at home. Everybody has a mess at home. Um, It's just, you know, we're living in the space you can't have it completely you know magazine ready at all times but yeah so I every time and with the clutter they're always like don't judge you know but that's what what I'm there for because having clutter in a certain area might be better than another area so if they're struggling with something in their life uh, maybe where the clutter is maybe we just have to move it <laughs> to another section of the hall so yeah definitely I never judge because you know I understand yeah that's fantastic now feng shui is a really big part of the work that you do as an interior designer can you tell us about why you dived into studying feng shui and how you integrate it into your interior design work Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always been interested in it. I've read a lot of books, like everyone tells me I've been reading, but it's so confusing. And it was on my to-do list to study almost for my own personal growth, for my own personal reasons. Um, so when I stopped working for a commercial firm, I was able to have more of a flexible schedule. So I finally was like, this is it. I need to go learn uh, what what is it about. And I just kind of fell in love with it. I honestly wasn't planning to you know, integrate it into my work or even do it for a living. But I just kind of uh, fell into it and everything made sense. I really saw, you know, the space um, interior interiors in a new light kind of, it made more sense in terms of the symbolic meaning behind certain um, design, um, just choosing uh, different fabrics, different finishes, kind of, I saw everything kind of uh, with a special meaning to it, which makes everything much easier and harder at the same time because it does complicate things a bit. And then I just, um, I started seeing clients for feng shui and just slowly but surely kind of evolved into integrating into my design work because I couldn't see things any other way anymore. You know, you're just kind of seeing it in a new light and it just becomes, it just kind of naturally um, integrated into my design. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, you're going to share some tips with us as, as we sort of move through this episode. But I, you know, we were talking before we jumped on that I see a lot of people apply feng shui as sort of a piecemeal approach after they've, um, after they've designed their pro, their, their renovation or their new build. And I'm really excited to be sharing you with the UA community because it's so lovely to see somebody actually integrating it into their work. I often wonder whether it competes with your thinking as an interior designer, but it sounds like it's actually become the way, like like you say, you can't see it any other way anymore because you obviously realise it's so part of what you do. So can you actually explain, you know, what is feng shui and, and why is it why is it a great way for us to think about our home design and the way that we live in our homes? Yeah, uh, I definitely think it's best to look at it, of course, at the beginning of the pr- process, like you were saying, because, of course, we can do adjustments, smaller adjustments when things are kind of built already. But if you're taking it into consideration as you're doing the floor plan or, you know, whatever you might be building, designing, creating, it's definitely much better for everybody involved, I think, because we all go into the spaces where there's only so much we can do. You know, there's only so many adjustments you can make. But um, feng shui, everybody gets scared about the word, right? Ah. <laughs> but it's really about like the flow, the energy of a space. Uh, just, you know, whenever we come into any space, we feel either good about it or bad about it. Um, so I guess we can say it has good feng shui or bad feng shui. Sometimes people are just not success, successful in like in a place where they're living and maybe the feng shui is off. Um, it's about um, just our environment, right? So just trying to simplify it so people do understand. Um, it's about how it affects us because uh, it might affect us in a negative way. Uh, it's about, or maybe it makes us happy and then we're more successful. Um, and it's really kind of, um, it goes hand in hand with design because it's about the space to flow and good design has flow. You're not going to design in such a way you're bumping into walls or tables. So it really is taking design into consideration. So I feel like it, it lives along with it. It's good design is good feng shui. That's what I usually say and kind of vice versa. Um, So yeah, just a little bit more reading into the space, into um, the colors of it, but you can get, too involved in it or you know it depends i'm kind of more flexible with it i'm not like so rigid with it so it depends you know some people might look at it differently yeah and you actually practice i'm just going to read this so i get it right the btb school of feng shui or the black sect tantric buddhist school of feng shui and you said that it's a in your in your website you said it's a, a feng shui school or tradition brought to the usa by professor lin yun in the mid 80s and you write that the ma- main difference between the traditional schools of feng Feng Shui and the BTB School of Feng Shui is the fact that the BTB Feng Shui School does not use the compass directions, but uses the Bagua map. So can you, and I know that on your website, you've got a great downloadable that uh, people can access of the Bagua map and some points about how to use it. So I'll make sure that I link to that in the show notes. Um, but can you tell us a bit about what is a Bagua map and how do you use it in your, in your work? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and uh, I do have the PDF uh, available on my site, and it uh, kind of tells you about how to use it. And if anybody has trouble with it, they can reach out. Um, I fell in love with the Bagua map because I don't know if it's because I came from an architectural background or uh, just something else. 
it's basically an energy map that we can apply to our home or office or any space. And it divides, um, it's basically a grid, which you probably saw, and divides it into nine sectors. So our home, there are nine sectors that represent our life. There's relationship area, there's career, there's, you know, it goes on and on. So the home is kind of laid out in such a way where you can overlay the Bagua and read into it. And I really have why I fell in love with it because I was seeing how it really kind of just makes sense in terms of, uh, you know, you would come into a person's home and let's say the relationship piece was kind of missing because of the layout of the home or something uh, kind of gave me a sign that, you know, the relationship is not going so well or they're looking for a relationship and they can't find it. And I saw it in this space and just, you know, especially at the beginning going to different consultations. I just really saw how it uh, just kind of mirrored what's going on in their life. Um, so just by kind of applying it into their home, you can make certain adjustments to improve a certain sector. And then are there certain approaches that you take based on that sector? You know, is the, is the approach that you do to resolve that sector of your life um, dependent on what that, you know, that sector itself. So for example, like your relationship, you do specific things in the relationship sector to remove, to improve that, that you would do differently in the wealth sector, or is it, how does, how does that sort of then apply to the way that you design it? So yeah, each sector has its, um, is represented by, let's say there's a certain element, there's a certain, certain color. Um, so it's represented in so many ways. And that's how we would treat it. So if, let's say if it's, uh, you know, wealth, there's a certain color that's in that sector. So maybe it's lacking. So you could add a little bit. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's a lot of playing around. Um, or maybe you see something that's really affecting that sector. Or maybe there's clutter, I guess. We'll get, if there's a lot of clutter going on, um, you can say, you know, you can see maybe something's going on in that area. And I, I love doing, it's like what I call detective work. Uh, sometimes I won't even ask maybe what's going on of the, you know, what problems people are having. I just love kind of walking through the home. They're giving me a tour and kind of just guessing like what's going on because based on the, you know, the home you can see. Um, and then, you know, of course I ask them what they want to improve in their life you know, what's going on. And sometimes when, you know, it's it kind of is what I was thinking is kind of like, wow, you know, it's really amazing. So it's just doing detective work, kind of uh, analyzing the home uh, based on the nine uh, guas. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I mean, I've heard this working at so many different levels for people. And I think it is obviously worth understanding that it's it's something that can work in a renovation and a building project, which we'll get into more detail about, but obviously something that you can work with a homeowner on their existing home to improve what their, currently, their current situation is. I remember a girlfriend actually telling me that her office space, because you apply this basically over a site level, then over a house level, then over a room by room level to some extent, don't you? Yeah, you go on the site, let's say if somebody's living in a residential home, you can look over at their um, the entire site, backyard, front yard. I'm not sure what you guys call it in Australia, but yeah, the entire site. And then you can kind of zoom in onto the home. You can lay it over the home. And then maybe if somebody is uh, living just in one space, in one room, you can overlay it in that room. Yeah, so, so it's kind of cool. You can keep You can even go down to the table so you can... Some people have applied the bagua on the table, uh, kind of just wow. playing around with that. 
Yeah, well, she she had an office space and in the wealth corner was a printer that always broke down, was always problematic, always like the biggest source of headache in a day-to-day kind of operation of a business. And she moved the printer out of the wealth corner and then noticed that things started being a lot smoother in the, the you know, the profitability of a business. So, it's quite, it's quite, uh, I just find it fascinating, this energetic, you know, for me as an architect, which is such a, even though it's seen as a very artistic sort of field, you get taught sort of from a very science-based kind of approach. And there's this lovely overlay that I imagine this feng shui knowledge gives you in terms of the energy and the intention that you bring to how you design these spaces. And I love what you said, because it is called an art and a science of placement. So feng shui is an art and a science. So, and it, there is a little bit magic to it, but like you said, you, uh, sometimes you do see these things happening and you're like, wow. Um, so yeah, there's a, a little bit of science backing it up, but there's also some magic and it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely very creative. Oh, I love it. Now, for somebody who's renovating their home and they might be adding an extension or reconfiguring spaces within the existing house, how would you suggest that they go about uh, thinking about feng shui in their planning and their design? That's a great question. I definitely recommend calling a feng shui consultant before, especially I think um, what happens, I've seen a lot of different additions. Um, it just really messes up with the, you know, the initial intent of the architect, the initial, you know, uh, floor plan of the space. And that's where you see really bizarre things happening because people are kind of doing um, piece by piece. I always, especially if I'm driving around, if I see like little additions, but again, as designers, we're always, I'm sure you're seeing that too. And it's like, ah, it just hurts seeing it. Um, And it does, uh, you know, play a role. So I definitely would recommend somebody thinking twice about adding pieces here and there. Do you, in terms of a renovation or a design, a renovation project with that Bagua map, are there are there better rooms to have in certain quadrants of the Bagua map? Yes and no. I mean, there are certain areas where we don't recommend to have a bathroom. So let's say for the health area, a bathroom is definitely not ideal. And maybe the wealth area is also not ideal because kind of like the money, you know, being drained, going down the drain. But again, I, I don't usually, you know, you can't over obsess about it because sometimes, you know, you, it is what it is. And there's only so much you can do because it's kind of hard to find the best place, right? It has to go somewhere. But I definitely don't recommend bathrooms in the center of the home and maybe the wealth area. Um, just kind of being aware of it. But I think if people are keeping it in mind, they'll be more kind of, um, you know, sensitive to where they're placing everything. And for somebody who's designing a brand new house and thinking about feng shui, obviously getting a feng shui consultant in up front to assist with that process, how do you go about working with somebody in that regard? They might be working with an architect as well or something like that. How, how does that process sort of work in terms of making those suggestions of, do you look at the site and go, okay, well, I think that this is roughly how things should be laid out or is it not, not that prescriptive you're saying that you're obviously a lot more flexible how do you sort of integrate that into the process of them laying out the rooms across a brand new site yeah I've actually done a few consultations kind of uh, collaborating with architects and designers and I love doing that because they just send me and that's a possibility too wherever you guys are um, they just send me the floor plan that they already have created usually that's what happens and I just really look look through it and look for the, you know, good flow. I look at doorways because sometimes, you know, it could be just I look at the all of the space planning, just being a designer and coming from a design architecture background. 
I'm really good at space planning. So just kind of looking, because sometimes I think, you know, architects or designers who are looking at the floor plan for too long, there are certain things. It's always great, I think, whether it's a feng shui consultant or not to have, you know, a second set of eyes or a third set of eyes. And um, just kind of looking at it um, from different perspectives. And I always, you know, just mark it up and suggest maybe moving a door or maybe, you know, extending this room or just little changes that will make a big impact. And I, I've done quite a few of those. And it's nothing that crazy that is going to change the entire home, but little things here and there that will make it, you know, a little better. So that's always really fun. I, I enjoy doing that. And um, also as an interior designer, I do think about the furniture layout because often not everybody, not all architects, but they're not really thinking about the furniture layout. And I've had so many clients where they, they're lost. Like there's not a good way to put any furniture, you know, there's because architects sometimes don't really think about the furniture because they're not doing it. So I always look at it from that perspective too. Like, where's the bed going to go? You know, where, where's everything going to be placed? Yeah, it's music to my ears, Marina, because I um, I will often see people say to me, oh, what do you think of this floor plan? And and I say, draw your furniture in and it'll show you what's wrong with it because, you you know, you can't, if you're having to move through a space and you're going to bump into a sofa every time you do it, that space is immediately going to feel cluttered. And I imagine from an energy point of view, then the flow isn't working through the home as well as it could be. And if you're weaving through spaces or um, or you're, you just don't have anywhere that you can put the television or the television's the first thing that you see when you walk into your living room, you know, all of these kinds of things. And so for me, I was always taught as an architect to furnish my floor plans. Um, but I know that it's it's what a lot of designers don't do. And so for me, it's the biggest way to test whether a floor plan is actually going to work as a home that's functional and livable. And so that's a great. I also love the idea that you mentioned about getting a second opinion. I'm a big advocate of that as well. And I think that it's something um, that a lot of homeowners are a bit nervous about doing because they don't want to offend their designer. Um, and I've seen homeowners get a second opinion from me and then they'll redraw it, present it back to their designer as their own point of view. So it doesn't look like they've sort of gone outside the relationship <laughs> and seen someone else. But it's one of these things, I don't know about you, my background's always been that we have to pin up our designs and seek, you know, feedback from our peers within our business. And it was that collaborative approach. So for me, that that review by another professional is part and parcel of how I've known to always achieve a really great outcome. So I think, you know, getting other eyes on it. So I love that that's something that you do for people in terms of helping them out. So I can imagine that's a huge asset for people to seek. And particularly with that feng shui overlay on it, it would be an incredible piece of expertise to get into their project. I, I really do enjoy it. It's kind of solving, you know, a little puzzle and sometimes, you know, just uh, helping uh, them work it out because, uh, yeah, it, I really enjoy it. It's really fun. How awesome. Now, can we talk about some of the big mistakes that you see people make? Because as we said sort of up front, there can be this thing where people think, okay, I've just got to hang a red picture in a corner or um, I need to put a specific plant in this corner. I know um, I worked for a large development company here in Australia for about seven years and we had a set of design guidelines that we had to adhere to when we went about designing apartments or houses and one of the rules was in a house we couldn't have the stairs running out the front door so that stairs had to turn 90 degrees at the bottom if they were near the front door and that came about because a very large development that 
that the developer did for the Sydney Olympics, all the housing for the Sydney Olympics, they had a series of townhouses that had um, stairs that ran down and straight out the front door. Um, so they were about, when you arrived in the front door, there was about uh, a metre and a half or about five feet to where the stairs started, but they, the stairs basically started from that point and ran upstairs. And no, they couldn't sell them to any Chinese buyers because they said the good luck's going to run straight out the front door. And so they had to retrofit a big series of them to turn the stairs 90 degrees at the bottom. And so that was something that was just embedded into our design guidelines. But I've seen other sort of pieces. What are the mistakes that you see people, I suppose, make that is a is a real killer to feng shui or perhaps where they think that they're using feng shui, but it's really not in the right vein? Mm-hmm. I mean, the staircase example is a good one. And again, if somebody has it, I wouldn't panic. I always say it because, you know, people are going to listen to this episode and be like, oh, my God, that's my stairs. Um <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay, but right, it does represent kind of, um, you know, all the good energy kind of flying out and you can stop it, you know, with simple, I'll just give simple tips so people don't uh, panic. Thank you. Um, maybe, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, maybe with us, you know, it could be a small rug, um, something to just stop kind of like that energy f- flowing out, um, just something uh, softer to stop it, um, like a small rug or a- anything, especially if it's empty around that area, something to, you know, maybe if there's room for a little table or, a, um, yeah, just something to pause it so it's not flying out. And of course, they can always reach out. But um, I think another, um, I guess, something that I see often, again, I guess, going back to the furniture placement. Um, when they're placing the bathrooms uh, next to the bedrooms, uh, placing it in such a way where the plumbing is not, let's say, where the bed would be. So the person sleeping with their head, uh, they wouldn't be with their head to the, you know, all the plumbing, let's say the shower or the toilet. Uh, that's like a kind of a big no-no. Uh, that's not the best. Again, it's about our energy being drained, you know, as we're sleeping, you know, and it's not ideal having the plumbing right behind our head. So that's something I would be kind of, um, you know, on the lookout for when reviewing the floor plans as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that it's funny because I think of a lot of the things that I was taught to not do in a design and that one was very much one where the bed head couldn't be on, shouldn't be on the wall where the toilet was, for example, um, particularly, and I see it, I see it happen in a lot of designs where they might have kids' bedrooms either side of a, um, a, f- a family bathroom and because the doors are where they are, you have to have the bed heads against the wall of the bathroom and it's that thing of if somebody gets up in the middle of the night and flushes the toilet, we were always taught that was just an acoustic thing that you don't want a flushing toilet directly behind your bed. But it's lovely that there's a feng shui overlay to it as well. Yeah, a lot of it is actually, it's silly, but like a lot of it is common sense kind of something like, you know, is it pleasant? Would you want, you know, would you want to sleep? You know, so a lot of things in feng shui, it's not too crazy. It's very kind of common sense. Like, you know, how do we feel about it? How would you feel about it? It's nothing, um, you know, too complicated. It's like having the toilet behind your wall you're you know behind your head um, when you're sleeping it's nobody would want that so it's things like that some of it is uh, you know simple enough but you do find a lot of homes where that is the case because somebody didn't really you know think about it and same with the stove um, again there are bedrooms with the where the bed is where the stove is right be, you know behind you that's also uh, something to consider and does color come a lot into some of the applications that you have in your feng shui? Yeah, again, in that Bagua map, um, each sec- each gua, each area, each sector of our life is represented by a certain color. Um, again, I'm not too crazy about it, but if I do come into a home and there's a 
you know, they're having kind of, um, you know, some kind of issues in that sector. And the color is really um, kind of just the opposite of what it should be. Again, it's a case by case basis. So I wouldn't say a certain color is bad or good. But um, that's why I like doing the detective work and kind of seeing each home, um, you know, one home at a time kind of thing. But yeah, it does play a, a role for sure. Marina, I can't thank you enough for your time and sharing so much great expertise about the subject of feng shui. I'll pop a link to uh, on your website because you've got the options to book consultations with you and you do work with people and feng shui consultations globally. So I think it's a really fantastic opportunity for people to reach out and also to download your Bagua map and learn more about that as well. It's really, I know that it's really fascinating when I start to explore it. We've dabbled in it a few times for our own projects and it's a really interesting um, and fascinating topic when you start understanding more about energy and the principles of feng shui in your house. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Isn't Marina brilliant? I so loved learning more about feng shui as well. And be sure to check out the show notes uh, or the blog because I've got links there to Marina's website, her own blog, and she's also got that free download we um, mentioned that's going to help you understand more about feng shui and how it can apply to your project. Now let's meet our next guest. Jake Krakowski is a designer based in South Carolina in the States, and in 2015, he founded JWK Design to help families realise their dream of a comfortable modern home. With 20 years industry and design experience, Jake has worked on design teams for large international resorts and prominent public projects, most notably the reconstruction of the World Trade Centre in New York. As well as working with clients on their custom new homes and renovations, he's also a registered landscape architect, and so he can assist with landscape and architectural design concepts and planning, construction drawings and material selection, bid review and contractor vetting, and construction oversight and quality control. Jake shares some great insight into what he sees most challenges homeowners and how he helps them get clear on their project needs and desires as well. So let's dive into my chat with Jake. So Jake, it's fantastic to have you here and to have you sharing your knowledge and your expertise and your way of working. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into home design um, and particularly about what you enjoy about working with homeowners on their family home projects? Because I know it's been a bit of a journey for you getting to this point. I sure can and thank you. Happy to be here. Um, I started my career as a as a landscape architect. Uh, that was my original training actually started in single-family residential and um, working in the New York, New York, New Jersey area for several years and then moved out to San Diego, California, where I found hospitality design, so hotels and resorts, which I fell in love with as well. Um, got to work on some pretty nice uh, properties in Southern California and, and internationally, uh, then back to New York City for a number of years and then uh, 2012, my wife and I decided to make the move down here to, to Greenville, South Carolina. But I had always, you know, taken small, relatively smaller residential projects kind of on the side as a, as a freelance deal. Um, majority of which were landscape, but I was starting to, you know, to help folks with, with kitchens and, um, and smaller additions of that nature in mid, uh, I'd say around 2000. Uh, seven started actually started a degree for construction management because I was getting into the kind of the more technical side of things as well. So by the time you know, I decided to start JWK Design, which was 2015, here I'd, I'd been fortunate enough, I think, to have a kind of a nice rounded experience of 
interior design, interfacing with a lot of architecture of architects and engineers throughout the years, and then having the the management, the real nitty gritty <laughs> background sort of things. But what appeals to me most about working directly with homeowners is is that personal connection. Um, you know, I've been able to work on some pretty large and, and pretty extensive projects. It was a lot of it was d- designed by committee or designed by gosh, I don't know how many <laughs> jurisdictions, which is, you know, it's, it, it's, it's great in some ways and it's exhausting in a lot of other ways. So I, I really missed that, that personal connection working with, um, working with families. So when I made that decision, I, I had had, my first son was, was on the way and I was actually traveling doing construction management for a hotel company. And that was not, I was not about to be trotting around the Southeast with a baby growing up at home without me. So um fortunate enough to have a couple residential clients uh, again on the side and and that was enough for me to to jump out on my own but i i wish i'd done it sooner (laughs) it's a familiar Um, journey actually that whole um this really isn't going to work for me to be a present parent and you know do all of those things and I, i love the diversity of experience that you've clearly been able to have and then how that can bring benefit to the homeowner because it sounds like you've had your toe in a lot of waters that would really Mm -hmm. um, add a lot of dimensionality to the way that you can work with clients from all sort of directions so I think it's I think it's fantastic stomping ground to be training you up for your own practice but as you say um, it is one of those things once you do it you know you do kind of you think oh why did I wait so long (laughs) right right you know and I will say from the design side being involved in projects as small as, as a kitchen remodel, every detail is so important and every detail is, you know, critical to everyday life. Even when you talk about the way a door swings or the width of a drawer, um, the real, the real minutia of design really plays such a huge role in, in how a family goes about their day that I, I really enjoy that from a, from the design side of things. Yeah, there's a real intimacy to both the process and the relationship isn't there in terms of you helping a homeowner anticipate what they're going to need and how they live and thinking about the things that they'll be touching and interacting with for years to come because you put lines on a page to make them be a certain way or you selected something that would be fixed somewhere. So I think um, right. it, ta- it does take a certain type of architect to really enjoy that level of detail and that level of intimacy. And um, it's great that you've figured out that that's what you really enjoy doing. So can you tell us a bit about the kind of projects that JWK Design does in terms of, you know, their scale, their location, renovations, new builds, you know, what sort of range it is? Certainly. Um, so again, I'm based in Greenville, South Carolina, which is just about um, equidistant from Asheville, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. It's the it's the northwest corner of the state of South Carolina here. Um, and also my range has been probably within about 50, 60 miles of – I'm right outside downtown. So um, I try to keep it in driving distance. I have consulted for friends, um, you know, up in New Jersey and Seattle. I may or may not have one in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. which I've never been to. I just want to go visit anyway, so I'm really <laughs> pushing to consult on that on that job. But, but I am – relatively local to uh you know to northwest or as they call upstate south carolina so the majority of the last year it's been a pretty even split between new custom homes and renovations and additions 
um, uh, and landscape falling into that that renovation category. So it's been a pretty even split that way. It's skewed more towards home renovation versus landscape renovation, which which I enjoy. But it, it, it you know it, it ebbs and flows not as much with the seasons here because we can plant almost twelve months of the year unless it's a hundred degrees as you mentioned before we got on the call here. Um, if it's just too hot, you know, even, even the best irrigation system can't always keep up. So, um, but we do have almost year round availability to, uh, to get plants on the ground. Fantastic. And when homeowners come to you and you've got some brilliant resources to help homeowners in those initial steps and thinking about how to go about their project and, and about choosing you to work with, what do you find though that they're really struggling with when they they come to you and they're thinking about renovating or building? What are the kind of key issues that they see, you see about them sort of planning and getting going? I think there's, there's really two major ones. Um, the first you could call say layout and and con- and the connections between new spaces um, where they've got these great images from house or from Pinterest or from their neighbor's new kitchen and they want they want certain elements or they almost want you to copy a, a certain look in some cases but they're not you know they just can't they can't visualize how to fit that into their existing home or how to fit it in, into a new home when it's you know, when it's just lines on a paper or lines on a piece of paper. Um, so helping homeowners to visualize and I, I do all, all my work goes in, goes through a process in SketchUp. So it's, it's all 3d at, at some point or another, uh, to really help them, uh, understand what they're, what they're getting into. And you know, the, the second was, is budget. I was, and I wasn't surprised being, being in the, in the industry for so long that just how little homeowners understood about, uh, the true costs of, of construction and then not necessarily planning for the costs of the landscape at the end, not necessarily planning for design and permitting costs. Um, you know, they, they hear a square, a per square foot number from a, from a contractor and think that that's their all in price. Well, it's not always the case. So, um, it, it's as much design expertise as educating them about the true costs. And I don't necessarily know the what's what's gone on in in your neck of the woods, but in certainly in the in the states, um, material costs, especially lumber, have just shot through the roof in the last uh, last twelve to eighteen months. So it's it's I see it as my job to to educate them right off the bat before I start sketching anything. So. Yeah, that's great to hear because I think that for a lot of homeowners, I find that generally uh, when people sort of turn up and they say we're, we're wanting to do a renovation or a new project and this is our budget and they have, they've sourced it from a square metre or a square foot rate that comes from a very different building delivery methodology, say a volume builder or they've seen something in a newspaper for an off-the-plan project but they want to do a custom build or they've got a renovation that's an old home that actually needs a lot of maintenance as part of the renovation project. And and so there's I find that generally there is a rule of thumb, their, their budget's sort of 50 to 75% of where their brief is at. So, you know, they've got right. all these ideas and the and there's that rude shock of how the, the misalignment between the, the, the budget and their dreams. And, yeah, I, I often say that I feel like a bit of a dream killer in those initial conversations. But uh, like you, my approach always is I'd rather somebody finds that out 
right up front so that they're right. not wasting time spinning their wheels, getting told what they want to hear by by people who that will end up charging them the same amount down the track anyway um, mm-hmm. and wasting time and money, but instead bringing them on track very early and getting them to prioritise what they really want. So, And I, can, I expect too, because of your expertise in the landscape side of things, helping them understand that they need to keep budget aside for the landscape. It's obviously one of the first things that goes, isn't it, when people are <laughs> looking at what they're going to spend money on. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, especially on a, you know, on a new build, I, I recommend, you know, an, an eight or 10% or take eight to 10% and, and put that to the side. And yes, it, it, it tends to get whittled away a little bit, but at least if you start with that mindset that, I only have this certain chunk to actually build the house. Well, it's not as stark when <laughs> when all is said is done and you've got your certificate of occupancy and you've just got, you know, seated lawn with straw on top for the <laughs> as when, when you're moving in. So yeah, you move into this fantastic, beautiful family home and your kids have got dirt to play on and you, <laughs> you have to wait until you can afford right. to put the the budget into the garden. So mm-hmm. yeah. You, as I mentioned, you've got these fantastic resources on your website and I'll pop links in the show notes. One of the questions that you have is um, that, well, one of the things that you suggest for homeowners is for them to really work out why they're going to renovate or build. Why do you suggest that's such a, a good idea for people to work on before they sort of dive into the process? Um, well, you know, as as fun as it is to peruse uh house.com and, and and pinterest and all these other great publications out there um you know i just i i think it's it becomes a stronger connection with the homeowner and the the design discussion is kind of gets on the right track right off the start when you when you start the conversation with are we doing this for and and planning to sell the house within a couple years or you know are we just doing it to keep pace with other building go- other new homes going up in the neighborhood or are we building this because you know we're going to live in this home forever? Or mom or dad's going to move in with us at some point? And a bigger, bigger life questions, bigger family questions. I think really help to set the priorities on what on what we should tackle. And I've had a you know a few instances where it's you know we want to do the kitchen, want to do the kitchen, want to do the kitchen, and then I find out based on the way that they're living or 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 not using their, their, their living space as well. It's, um, it's, it's kind of steered the design and well, let's make some modifications to the kitchen, but really what needs to happen is in your living spaces or even in this bedroom space, changes can happen that are really improve, you know, your quality of life that, that much more, especially if you're planning to stay in the house for a number of years. So yeah, I just, I, I just find it, it, it drives the design, um, as opposed to the design driving, oh, we can, we can fit a you know a desk in here when she's really needed a separate office all along. Well, why don't we focus on that instead of you know up- upgrading the stove? You know, something something that's just an example. But yeah, no, I think it's really true actually because I think you can get as a homeowner you can get quite attached to this idea of those aspirational images, as you say, you know, the beautiful looking sort of countertops or the sofa that you want to have sitting in your living room and the you know the light flowing in, and it can become this process of just this piecing together of a jigsaw puzzle which ultimately puts it's like a band-aid solution that doesn't really solve the core problems of your lifestyle or Mm -hmm. the home so to kind of pull back to why I always uh, suggest to people that they look at what they're seeking to achieve which is a similar kind of question because it always gives you a place to return to to make sure that you're staying on track 
with what your plans are that, you know, you in all of the decisions that you have to make, you're not going to go get completely lost down a rabbit hole, um, but you can keep coming back to that core reason. So um, I think it's fantastic that that's how you start with clients and really uh, get them to think about it. And I find too, you have amazing conversations between, you know, I, I really encourage people, even if their architectural designer or builder isn't asking them that question, that it's a conversation that they have because it's an immediate way that you can bring somebody onto the page of what are your bigger life goals and how does the house need to support that rather than right. you just, you know, we're, we're just going to do this renovation and add on an extra couple of rooms. So it's, yeah, it's a very different kind of conversation that you get to have with a client when you ask them why they're doing it, isn't it? It certainly is. <laughs> you talk to people about looking at the constraints that are associated with their project, their block of land, you know, their home. What what do you see those kinds of constraints are and why why do you suggest that people sort of start looking at those up front? Um, so, you know, the, the three big ones for me are um, are setbacks, structure and systems, as I'll call them, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain. Um, setbacks, obviously, is, you know, the, the physical space on the property where – where you can build, and that's, you know, again, a lot of homeowners aren't necessarily, um, you know, in tune with with what their their city or their or their county allows, um, and that can really. I, I've had a few few folks where they plan to you know go all the way out the back, almost to the back property line, or even push push to the front of the house, and it's just not it's not legally possible. They they wouldn't grant you a variance to do to do certain things. And you know, f- further to that, here in in Greenville, there's a separate they call it an infill ordinance that was passed a few years ago that really uh, it added a lot of constraints to what you could do in adding even a front porch or adding a garage or adding a detached garage on. Um, it's somewhat boring. It's the code stuff, but it's, it's something else I, I need to educate them on. Um, you know, so you're available land when you're building or, or adding on. So that's that's setbacks. Second is structure. That's obviously taking the it's taking the condition. As it is the you know how how the how the supporting walls were were laid out and, and constructed, and then systems being the you know the age and condition of your electrical and and, and plumbing and all that and and you know the the reason I mentioned those the last two structure and systems it's really because they they could be the big ticket surprises which you don't want to have and then you end up cutting out a lot more than just the landscape at the end of the day <laughs> if you haven't made the right assessments. And that, and that includes bringing, you know, the right contractors or, or tradesmen into to make the assessments early, early in the design process. So, yeah, it's those like, would be the big three. It's like um, I like I like that 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 quick analysis of it because it is it's very much like looking at what's the playing field that we're on, and and what are those rules going to be about how we need to operate. And so often people come to you as a designer with big ideas about what they want to do or what they might have assumed a neighbor's been able to do. And um, and so it's really great that you encourage them to look at those constraints up front and really set them as those ground rules. Because I find too that if people have got set ideas about what they want to do and they haven't established those constraints, that um, when they find out those constraints, it can be a rude shock, but it actually enables them to be far more strategic about, okay, well, how are we going to invest our budget? What's going to be the difference here? Perhaps we can't do exactly what we thought we'd do, we'd do but maybe we'll be able to do something that will cost less and, and um, be faster and, and still dramatically improve our lifestyle overall. So mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, when you establish those things up front, and I find that a lot of, a lot of homeowners don't know how to do that naturally, but it is one of the first things that as a designer or an architect, you just do 
do as part of your due diligence on a on a site, isn't it? So, um, to encourage people to look at that, it's a really really great piece of advice. Right. Yeah, and I say almost especially so if they're planning to to move or, or sell in the next couple of years. Well, uh, you know, a home with a a new electrical service that that can actually sell a lot quicker than one that's where, where the incoming buyer knows that they're going to have to do this major repair just to get into the house. Well, maybe you don't maybe you don't have the kitchen you want then, but if you're selling anyways, it's it drives the design in the right direction. So Yeah, most definitely. And also that advice of if you're looking at blocks of land to purchase for a new home, um, you know, to build a custom home on, or perhaps you're thinking, well, we can't renovate this, so we're going to go and start somewhere else. We'll find a house that's got better bones or better orientation. Then to know that those are the key criteria to look at to do, to actually weigh properties up against each other is a is a good um, a good process to go through as well. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> as you said, you're a landscape architect as well. That was that's been in your background, and I can imagine adds a huge amount of value to the process of working with you. How, how and you, you mentioned that eight to ten percent when building new. How how do you actually encourage homeowners to think about landscape design uh, when they when they're embarking on a renovation or a new build? Because I know that lots of homeowners have got these beautiful ideas about what they want might with their outdoors, but then they sort of leave the conversation off the table for until it's all sort of said and done. How do you how do you uh, bring that into I suppose the conversation and then also work with homeowners to get really good outcomes uh, in their land landscape design the conversations it's it's not too much different from looking at, a, at an interior renovation and really asking the question how would you best like to use your space um do you want to entertain all summer long is there a possibility of a pool you know years down the road is are you designing the yard primarily for kids primarily for your dogs there's a two you know they're two totally different <laughs> or can can be two totally different ways to uh, to approach the conversation so you know there's there's so there's the lifestyle side of the conversation there's also the really kind of functional technical and a big one here um, as most anywhere is drainage um, and we've got pretty heavy clay soils and the rainfall is typically very heavy when it comes um, it's not as not long drawn out spritzes like in Seattle or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> so the, the idea of water management is, is a big one, um, that I always, that that's always one of the first things that I, that I get into, at least from the technical side of things. Um, and then, you know, certainly existing trees are, are a big part of that, um, based on the uses that they think they'd like to have down the road. Well, sometimes it makes sense to, to do a little clearing, a little more clearing than than you think necessary. If you know three years down the road, you don't have to come back in and mess up half your landscape just to get that tree out that's now in the way. I try to have as much of the fun lifestyle conversation and pictures on house as I do the more you know more, the more nitty gritty <laughs> stuff. So yeah. yeah, let's talk about where your water runs. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. It can be. And then, it can be really. Um, it, it can be a very boring conversation to have with a homeowner who's really high on the ideas and the design and really excited, but it's so necessary, isn't it? Because you can imagine that's the stuff you're going to be tearing your hair out about if it doesn't work right. well. You know, if your back garden's flooding every time it rains heavily and your you know soils are washing away and your neighbours are complaining because it hasn't been dealt with on your site, um, you know that that I can imagine that's a really critical thing to get right. No, oh, absolutely. And then you know, f- further to the, further to that in the in the design, 
you know, if a family's has said, well, we, you know, we, we want a new deck or a new patio or any kind of outdoor living space. I'm always looking at the connections from the inside to the outside too. So sometimes building a patio, I I'm bringing up, you know, why don't we blow out these two windows and, and put in a, a larger door system. Have you looked at the larger sliding or, or accordion doors? Um, Whereas maybe they they weren't thinking of <laughs> doing certain things. Well, maybe you can forego this, you know, the new shed or this new, um, you know, fire pit area, but have a better connection directly from your kitchen, say, and then come back in a few years and, and get that fire pit in. Well, a lot of times that that makes more sense or more of an immediate impact to kind of enjoying enjoying their yard. I love that you have that conversation with homeowners because we were talking about before we jumped on uh, on to record that um, I've been quite surprised at how what I've seen of American homes that they don't prioritise that indoor-outdoor connection as much as we do here in Australia. And I know that in some locations in winter, the climate just, it's its pointless trying to get outdoors and use any outdoor entertaining space. But there are lots of parts of the USA where for a good portion of the year, you can entertain outdoors and your kids will be playing outside. And so to, you know, particularly in a family home, to have that visual and physical indoor-outdoor connection enables you to borrow all of that extra space and bring it into the home, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It's a really, um, a really fantastic way of expanding the size of your home and the functionality of your home, and also bringing lots of beautiful natural light and ventilation in, as well. Jake, you've given such thorough and fantastic advice for homeowners thinking about renovating and building generally, and also particularly in the Carolinas. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, and for sharing such awesome knowledge about the process, particularly about how to incorporate landscape into thinking about your home as well. Because for family homes, that's got to be a really big part of thinking about how you go creating a really functional, flexible family home that's going to work for you year round, um, you know, across the long term. So thank you so much. No, I I appreciate it. Good talking to you. You too. Now, I hope you enjoyed the fantastic tips and ideas that Jake offered there. I especially love that analysis of constraints and uh, how to think about what needs to be considered on any new build or renovation project at that analytical level. So before you get kind of too, I see homeowners get really emotionally caught up in the process of building and renovating and getting their design right. If you can just step back and get all of those kind of game rules and those constraints in place first, then you can make sure that you're actually operating and understanding your site and, and the limitations and what you really need to be aware of before you get too far down the track. Now, head to the show notes or this blog on Undercover Architects' website. I've got links there on how you can find Marina and Jake and how you can get in touch with them. And both of them have really great free resources that you can download from their own websites. And I'd love it if you can reach out and thank them if you enjoyed their interview. Uh, you know, as I've said before, I know that my guests always love hearing feedback from the UA community about how their knowledge has helped you. Now, these are both edited versions of my full interview interviews with Marina and Jake. And I have now put these full interviews uh, as featured bonuses inside my online course for American homeowners, which is called the Welcome Home course. And so they're there as a special bonus. Now, if you're thinking about renovating or building your family home, you're already researching and planning, or you're even in the design stages, you're going to want to check out the online courses I have called How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home and the Welcome Home course. So How to Get It Right is tailored for Australian homeowners. And in the Welcome Home course, I team up with award-winning American architect, Eric Reinholdt, to create a specific course for American homeowners. Both courses 
they take you through my step-by-step system from the very start to the very finish of your renovation or building project. And I'll explain a bit more about that in a minute. Look, as Undercover Architect has grown as an online business, I really love being able to reach and connect with homeowners from all corners of the globe. I've got almost 25 years industry experience in design, building and renovating in Australia. And what I've found is that this step-by-step system of mine for any renovation or new building project, the one that I've been using in client projects and in my own projects for all of that time, when I actually teach this system to you, you like what I see time and time again is how it can help you as a homeowner save time, money and stress in your project. And so that's what these courses do. When you have the steps to follow the map for your journey ahead, you can then move confidently towards that future home that you're dreaming of and not waste any time or money. When you know that that step-by-step system has been created over decades of experience in hundreds of hundreds of family homes like yours, you can save so much stress in your project and create a home that works and feels great. And when you have the steps, as well as the professional know-how, design knowledge, tools, resources, and guides, you can seriously shortcut your journey. You can enjoy your experience and you can avoid the heartache and drama so many endure. If you're keen to make your journey simpler, Be confident in the home that you're creating is actually achievable and know the steps to get you there. These online courses are the way. In them, I've literally packaged up what is in my head and my heart from almost 25 years experience to show you the way to your future family home. Do you want to learn more about the courses? Well, if you're an Aussie, if you're an Australian homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right. And if you're an American homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home and you'll be able to find out all the information about each of those courses there and I've got a special bonus for the gorgeous UA community podcast listeners this is the first time I've ever done this actually just use the code podcast all right the word podcast you have to type it in to the coupon code when you go through and buy you'll immediately access $50 off okay so you'll get a $50 saving when you use the coupon code podcast so those links again are Australians undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right and americans undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home as always thank you so much for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally until next time bye